We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. What's up, league? Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We've got the legend Adam Cox just completed your 700th mm-hmm. career install. What earlier this week? Last week. Yeah, I'm at 7.01, so it's 7.01. fresh. 7.01. It's fresh. Yeah, we were at dinner at Adam's, like, this mm-hmm. quaint little place in town where he, like, knows all the waitresses and stuff. Mm-hmm. When he's like, hey, leans over, he's like, my 700th install is going in right now. <laughs> it's very cool. It was very cool. My 701st is from my Uber driver. Really? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah, just collecting them. At 700, yeah. though, you got to start collecting them from everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's yeah, probably you not your it. only Uber yeah. driver sale. My car broke down on the way to work. I Ubered to work. Oh, the one that from the text thread. That's the guy. And I s- sold that guy. Yeah, so Probably we, also one of my biggest commissions of the year, by the way. Really? Yeah. Lemons out of lemonade. I haven't even yeah. done your intro yet, but yeah, let's just do it. How many Uber no, rides no, let's just work? do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> Dude, it's like Uber for life, man. So he's got this yeah. awesome He's got this awesome Tesla, no no, you know, spare tire on the car. Yeah, no. And it was funny because we're on this text thread, and it was you and Brock Morris, and Brock yeah. was like in the GOAT competition and texted like a picture <laughs> to Mike Brand. He's like, hey, I'm out because I got a flat tire. So you got to have his car towed. Yeah. And it was like a couple days later that... Yeah, it was like the next two days later, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Adam gets a flat tire. And he's like, oh, crap. And then lit- it was within yeah. like in a couple hours, he's like, sold the Uber driver. Yeah, and it was amazing. It was amazing. What That's size awesome. is that system? Uh, it was like an... Uh, it's a $13,000 commission. Jeez. So what size? <laughs> uh... I want to say a 10. The and 10, then sun hours 9. are just 8. typically yeah. ridiculous yeah. as they are in the desert. Yeah. I'd take a flat tire for that. If someone's oh, yeah. like, hey, man, I'll give you 10 grand. Well, I had an tire. hour in the car with the guy. So Yeah, if you yeah. can't sell him in an hour. Yeah, I know. So um, I, you- I feel bad. He's talking about 700 like it's not that big a deal. Um, I'm getting to a point where, I mean, I have just over 400, and I feel yeah. like I shouldn't even like talk about that anymore. Because there's so many. Probably not. Man. There's so many guys with 400 <laughs> now, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, I think I'm just done. I have decided yeah. I'm not talking about my personal install number. As anymore. you talk about your personal install number. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was smooth. Yeah. That's a like humble that. brag. That's what that was. Um, so, <laughs> Adam runs the high desert market. Uh, you've been with us since. Pretty much one of the very first guys that Chance called to recruit. Uh-huh. You've been in door-to-door sales. Um, so how 2006. Long? 2006, Apex, and then you had a... APX. But then you had a slight break in the middle, right? Uh, one year. Oh, just one, one year. One year I got out. And that was actually the year that um, I'm like, I'm done with knocking doors. I'll never knock a door in my life. Uh, and I went and did my glorious job of medical sales. And yeah, realized, real job, right? Real job. Air I'm quotes. like, I'm getting my real job. And I was like, there's no way I could hate anything more than knocking doors until I went and got a real job. And then I thought, I made more in four months there than I made a year, and it was, it was just a bad deal. So Is then it- Chance called me up, and he's like, hey, man, we got this new thing. And the first question I asked him, like, is it door-to-door, Chance? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, hell no. He's like, dude, <laughs> just come down and hear it. I'm like, all right. You're like, so, but is it door to door? Yeah. But is it door hey, to door? Hey, and guess where he sent him to get him sold on the job? <laughs> Boston. So I got there right actually in between. McClellan had come out for like a little bit, and then you went back to Utah to go get all your stuff. So I actually moved McClellan into his house, and he had some like 900 pound chest. 
table. No, it's a table. <laughs> and I, it was me and, him, me and him that moved that sucker in. But it was pretty much me, McClellan, Sanders, and Gentry. That was pretty much it in Boston. Wow. Yeah, we were the uh, OG four. And I've got this table that's a door from an old temple. From an old, like, Scottish castle. And it's, <laughs> I don't know where I even found it, but anyway, it's somehow managed to move every house we've ever lived in. Yeah. And I, I like, need multiple people to help me. So I'm like, hey, Adam, you got to come help me move this thing. And well, I'm glad it was just me. Well, back in the day, <laughs> you used to have, like, family furniture that you kept forever. But I think also people lived in the same spot forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that you got to move, like, lightweight is, is yeah, and, and a, like, compactability yeah. is a thing. Yeah. That's to be considered. Um but you have been running the high desert market. The, the market does about 200 installs a quarter. Mm-hmm. You've been there longer than I have. I've had the chance to work with you in multiple different yeah. capacities. But um, the, the thing I hope to extract from this interview is um, you're, you're someone that I've always known to be very authentic, mm-hmm. very genuine. Yeah. And I think you have a very cerebral way of looking at the job that I think will benefit a lot of people. Yeah. So before we benefit anybody, let's right. tell them about our relationship that started in conflict, should we? Oh, man. This is a good story. Oh, man. <laughs> this was bad deal. This was bad. Did you guys have beef? Here's the thing, man. I think all of us sometimes don't start interactions or relationships with the, with the end in mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, this was a bad, it was a bad deal. <laughs> Should pretty, I tell the story or would you like well, to? Because no, I think uh, it's bad, but you think it's I really hear, bad. So I want to hear uh, Cox tell it. Well, so listen, it, this is, this. it's not mine or Ty's fault. There was some promises made about certain area. It's the area I live in now in Santa Clarita. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm living in Victorville, which we'll get into later. But Lots um, of time for Victorville. <laughs> yeah, lots of time for Victorville. <laughs> and so I'm like, I need to get the hell out of Victorville. So we, we made a pitch to, to Chance and some of the guys um, to move our warehouse to a more central location from Victorville to Palmdale. And then we would be able to take over Santa Clarita. So we were recruiting people hey, come and move to the high desert. But hey, guess what? You don't have to live in Victorville. You can move to Santa Clarita, which... They had this business plan all figured out. This is before I was even thinking about solar. They were playing risk. Yeah. Yeah. They were playing risk. And 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 at the same time, Ty's coming in and Ty was made some promises on, okay, here's your area. Here's what it's gonna look like. And I was coming from alarms and in alarms, you literally need half the state. For yeah. like four months, yep. I didn't realize that the area was mad. I looked at it, I was like, "This thing is tiny." So, so, anyways, we saw. We were like, "Okay, look, we don't stand. We basically play. We just hoodwink Ty hard." So we like knew we didn't stand a chance. Me and uh, Dylan at the time were like, "Dude, Ty's coming in. He's gonna scoop this up. We're screwed." So we called um, Greg Butterfield's secretary and scheduled an appointment from California. So for all he knew, and Ty and um, Chance, we scheduled them all at the same time. We didn't tell them. We, they just thought we were going to call in on the phone. We booked flights that morning, <laughs> flew up there, and had this like whole presentation and didn't even tell Chance that we were flying up there. So we basically got um, Butterfield cornered. And uh, so we were sitting there like, okay, this is the whole, this is why we need this area, blah, 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 went over there. And Butterfield's like, yeah, it makes sense to me. Sounds great. Meanwhile, I look over, Chance is getting screamed at on the phone by Ty. I can, screamed? I can, liter- I can literally <laughs> hear Ty Yeah, yelling. you were screaming, Ty. I can hear Ty yelling <laughs> at Chance Ty was having a meltdown. So oh, anyways, come on. Anyways, that's the story. So we won. We got it. And then literally ran, shook his hand, got on the plane and flew back. I remember this differently. The rest of the story. But it was funny because when I was coming on board, I remember the conversation with you guys. So it was yeah. like Adam and Dylan had called me and like, hey, we want this area. And I was thinking at the time, like, why would I do this? 
Yeah. I don't really know you. <laughs> I, I need to work. I'm leaving my whole career to come do this. Yeah. Anyways, he won. Yeah. Better Man won the, the conflict. Yeah. And then we've worked together ever yeah, since. You've got the territory. Hey, we put one account up in there. <laughs> one. Jason Ty, Crown Ty, did it. Ty became my boss in like three months. So I was like, that was really <laughs> awkward. I was like, uh, sorry about that like, area so, thing, bro. Uh, we're cool, right? <laughs> How much area do you need now? Like, yeah, no. Let's get this figured out. I think out. it was like three months and I was like, Ty was like the direct, the DDM at the time or something like that. So yeah. so the, the great thing though is that Adam's one of the easiest people to work with in that you're very good at seeing the big picture. Mm-hmm. So you're very good at, at, at kind of... Um, understanding that there's more to every situation than the emotion mm-hmm. of the moment. But maybe talk about how, how you got in because I, we've heard, we've joked about like yeah. moving to Victorville and stuff, but I actually think the mentality is pretty important to understand. Yeah. So talk about maybe where you started and what that was yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, I, so the biggest thing for, before even I started uh, in alarms, I, I, the best thing that ever happened to me was I, f- I had a huge failure. So I was in that big office in Minneapolis that a few guys have talked about. Was that like um, Jared? Uh, Jared Hallows. Hallows. Chance, so Chance Allred was my regional. Yes. Um, and then, you know, you had Zach and Mickelson and all the big names in that office. And um, I did really well. And then I was like, we're a Monotronics dealer and we we're getting paid like 200 bucks. So I called up I'm like, wait a second. So I called up Monotronics directly, like halfway through the summer. And I'm like, hey, um, so if I wanted to be a dealer, you know, how much would I get paid? And they're like, oh, it's like $1,500 a contract. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, hey, we're using like uh, Honeywell, $100, you know, two-way yeah. voice panels. So I run the math. I'm like, I'm getting just hosed right now. So I, that next year, I left, I left uh, Apex um, and Chance and all them. They had left and started Platinum. And I went and did my own dealer. I called up my dad. Um, like, Dad, I want to start this company. I need some cash to get apartments signed and, and some inventory. We had to go through all the insurances and stuff. It was capital security, if you ever want to know that. Um, we took a line out of credit. <laughs> First, I thought it was like ten grand. Then I'm like, eh, Dad, I need some more money. So it was like $50,000 I took out on his line of credit. And uh, at the end of the summer, like, I lost my shirt. So I'm like I'm like 22, and I'm like $70,000 How many people would you take out? So we had like 15 reps that recruited. Because mm-hmm. it was so the whole was thing. one office was the first It was team. one office, yeah. I took them out to um, the Bay Area. And the, it was exactly the same premise that every dealer recruits on. It's like, listen, why are you paying for Todd's jet fuel? Because Todd flew from Provo to Logan to like save all of us. And I'm like, Todd, like, how many accounts of mine did, would it took for your jet fuel, man? I'm like, how long does that flight take on a private jet? Like, <laughs> it had to be like 21 10, minutes. Yeah, no yeah. way, no way. You know? <laughs> but it was like him and all the regionals, they flew yeah. up there and they're trying to recruit us. And I was like, I'm like, it kind of proved my point. Yeah. And so anyways, um, lost my shirt the end of the summer. And so then- Oh, that's the worst, um, man. I'm 22, I'm 70 grand in debt to my dad. It's like, I can't bankrupt on that. Like mm-hmm. I, gotta, I gotta pay him back. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, I had to go back to, then I call up Chance, <laughs> I go back to Platinum and I paid off my dad in like a year and a half. So I just wow. worked my butt off. So I think that had I not had that experience of, hey, listen, like being a dealer and running your own company before you're ready and before you understand on paper, everything looks good. Yes. You think you're going to, I thought I was running through in my, I was in school at the time, right? So I thought literally I was going to be a millionaire. Yeah, you're running you like spreadsheet millionaire. Case scenario. Yeah, worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. Yeah. And I went from, I did 200, 200 installs gross that first summer as a rookie. 
at Apex. And I think I did maybe like, I don't know, 70 accounts, you know? And every Just one of my accounts, yeah, and... I was stressed out. Like I literally got checked out by a nurse. I had like a heart arrhythmia. Like it was bad. <laughs> like it was bad. If I wasn't already bald, then it was like, it would have yeah, been. It, it was, was literally killing um, me. And so, so that experience like kind of like was so painful. But then I look back at it because throughout the years being at the, on the solar side, I mean, I had so many opportunities to go and, and honestly, like, you know, uh, exactly follow that same pattern of, Hey, come over to our dealer. You'll make more money. And all this thing I'm like, guys, you don't know what that's like. I've been down that road. I paid a, it cost me 70 grand plus, you know, whatever. And almost your heart and almost my heart. And so, um, so anyways, that, that, that's kind of, um, leading up to it, but no, but that's uh, important because honestly, knowing that experience again, like there's, there's, there's two ways to gain experience, right? You can either go through it or watch other people go through yeah. it. Having gone through it yeah. and now watching other people go through it, yep. it does give you a, an appreciation and kind of a solid foundation that a lot of people, hopefully they can listen and learn from it because, yeah. it, again, you don't know what, what you pitfall. don't know. Yeah, you just you don't, don't know. don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And that 70 grand, I would have gladly paid that 70 grand because... Uh, had I had I not paid that seventy grand, I would have lost maybe half a million to a million dollars. Doing it later, yeah. <laughs> going the solar route, you know. Do you ever get tempted? I mean, not tempted yeah. like to go do it again, but I think we're all entrepreneur entrepreneurs yeah. at heart, right? Like I think most of us, and I think that's the appeal of Vivent Solar is it kind of scratches that entrepreneurial yep. itch that I think we all have. Yeah. Um, without taking those huge risks. Yep. Right. I mean, you're managing your own branch of Vivian yeah. Solar. And I always try to stress that to our DMs. Like, this is your little business you're running. You know, we're trust the company's trusting you with this little branch yeah. of business. The guys on your team are your employees. Like, they're yours to, you know, mm-hmm. to manage. Um, but, uh, I mean, have you ever had that where you're like, oh, man, maybe it's time I give it another shot kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, so that, and that's kind of um, also the theme that I wanted to kind of express in the interview is, is what I realized is how far away I was from being ready. Like how many weaknesses I really had. And when you're a business owner, I think you're exposed to a lot of weaknesses that you have. And that's where, especially this job. So in alarms, you can go out, you get dropped off in your neighborhood and you get picked up at nine. Right. And so you don't have a lot of free, which is so funny that that's how we do it, but it's funny, but yeah. Right. And it works. And And the reason why it works is because you can take a monkey and you can give them an iPad and you can drop him off and that and it'll work for him. With solar it's um it's so, such a high level uh, it will expose your your biggest weaknesses on a level you can't have previously imagined. And so what I what I've kind of realized is I'll know when the time's right because I'll know where I've leveled through my weaknesses and I've kind of had to be it's really really tough to be exposed in that kind of way uh, in your weaknesses. And, um, and if you're a business, so meaning, okay, you can maybe be a good sales rep, right? But then maybe you're not super organized. And so maybe you're terrible at account management. And so you see, I saw this um, every year at the end of the summer, a big 300 or 400 account alarm guy would come over to solar. And I would just kind of giggle to myself every time they came in. I'm like, hey, guys, watch him. He's going to, he, I give him four months and he's going to be a disaster, right? With few exceptions because they'll come in and they'll just treat this like they treat, you know, treated uh, the alarm side of it. And they just did no account management, no area management, no follow-up, no like running it like a real business. Like all hor- horsepower and no traction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, and so I think for me, there was a big lesson there. And so I kind of, so growing up, like I had, um, I was like diagnosed ADD, really bad 
can't focus. And so it's like, look, you can't, it's really hard to do 25 installs every quarter, quarter after quarter, if you have uh, really bad focus problems, or if you're dealing with any kind of anxiety or depression, like this is a really hard job to, to be consistent. And so you see guys who have struggles, which I do, I've had struggles with all of these things that I just listed off. It's really hard to um, be consistent and to be um, every quarter after quarter, year after year. And so that's where I think you see a huge turnover or, or in the past you've seen a turnover because um, ultimately they, I'm not saying you, they ran away from it, but but it was kind of a, a sink or swim. Like you, you can't get away from, you're exposed on a level by your peers every quarter, right? So if, if you're, if you're kind of suffering, your numbers suffer and everybody sees it, you can't hide. You can't hide from your problems in, in solar. You can do that in alarms, you can kind of mask, but here in solar, that's, it's just you can't hide from your problems like you could in other places. Yeah. And so- Well, and you can even fake yeah. it even for like a quarter, but eventually, I, I, um, you've heard of the concept of the invisible hand. Mm -hmm. It's like something might be a little bit out of whack for a moment, but eventually this invisible hand eventually like course corrects the the earth whatever right so um i played golf with this guy today and we were talking about this concept and i said you know you're a 10 handicap i'm probably a 20 i might beat you on a hole or two yeah. but eventually the invisible hand over time exposes me as a 20 handicap and ex and shows that you're a 10 like over time eventually we are what we are right yeah. because of you know the preparation whatever work we put into it but yeah. We were joking that Adam, um, you know, I live 20 minutes from here and he's from Boston. So you literally can't be from a place that's further away than where we're sitting right now. And he came into town and he said, I was golfing this morning. I was like, oh, who'd you golf with? And he goes, just by myself. And I was like, that's like me going to Boston and like catching a Patriots game just by myself. You know what I mean? It's like, I didn't even call him. Yeah. I, I was didn't like, even call him. You went to a Patriots game? I was like, yeah. Uh, why didn't you call him? Oh, I guess I just didn't think about it. It's like, okay. Like, hey, now, man, like, hey, we're constantly learning where we are. Yeah, I thought we were further than we are, and yeah, then we got some know, work to do. No, there's okay. no, there was nothing. Listen, there's some solace or some, sol like, there's that solitude that you crave sometimes, I think, is. When you're in a leadership role, you're always like giving your time to everybody else. Hey, man. So I actually like really. surfing, man. You like to go out on yeah, your own. Yeah, you like to. Come on. Yeah. No, go no, I, I go with friends every time okay, I go. Right. Yeah. Oh so, anyways, back to yeah. being exposed. I believe this. Yeah. I believe that um, part of the reason that I've aligned myself with this opportunity mm -hmm. is because this opportunity for my personality, I'm a salesperson mm -hmm. and I like sales leadership. This job supports me and makes me better than I am. It's like the US military. Yeah. You could be a great fighter if you have great tools and support, it, things just go better. Yep. And I believe that if people go to under-resourced opportunities, yeah. it will expose, it makes your weaknesses bigger. Like I'm not great with, you wouldn't want me to run finance at this company. Actually, as salespeople, you would for about two or three weeks. After that, <laughs> my weakness would be absolutely impossible to miss. Yep. Right. So um, I think it's really important that you that you had that experience because you yeah. can see like, hey, man, this 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 company uh, accentuates my positive traits. Yep. And it kind of masks the things I'm not naturally good at or there's someone else that that can handle it. I don't know if there's any way to learn that other than what you went through or see other people go through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so that's like. Um, you know, there's no, um, there are no bad teams, right? There's only bad leaders. Like Jocko's great quote with that. And I think it's, you are, you are always where you're at no matter what. So like I'm, 
And that's kind of what I realized. Like I'm a I'm a 200 account, um, you know, office guy, right? I'm a 25 to 30, you know, install quarter guy. And so the reality is, okay, what what weaknesses are specifically holding me back? So why am I not a 400 guy, right? And so then for me, it's over the last few years, it's been I systematically identifying you know, um, each of these things and then systematically working on them. And so like, for example, I have like really bad ADD. Uh, it's really hard to be good at this job if you can't focus on anything. And so, uh, my, like I was crazy addicted to my phone all the time. Like I would go through six news outlets, like, and just refresh them all throughout the day. And usually you're, I would, my mind would always go there when I just really didn't want to do something. So when it's time to go knocking doors, when it's time to do my account list, like that's, that's the moment where I'm like, I really don't want to do this. So I'm going to go back to ESPN and refresh and see, you know, what happened to the Antonio Brown trade or something like yeah. that. And so, um, so I was like, okay, I, I have to eliminate that first part to be able to, to create a mind and be free of that. And so that was where I literally did this. I said, okay, if I look at my phone before eight o'clock, for any for any social media or news outlets, I will I will light five hundred dollars on fire um, for eight o'clock. Well, you tried it with charity first, right? Didn't you? Say, well, no. Like, well, so yeah, I was like, okay, I'll give it to charity. But I'm like, yeah, but I like giving the money to charity. Yeah, I feel good about There's it. There's some virtue so, there. <laughs> so then I was like, I like I had to go through this where I'm like, okay, if I light it on fire, that means it's even worse. This because, is something you actually did. Oh yeah. I, so this I've is a burned, man, Hey, this is a man of resolve, right? Yeah. Where it's like, hey, so it worked. So I've actually so it so legitimately, I'm like four years into this, and I have yet to actually light five hundred bucks on fire for that because I'm like, it's not worth it. I'm like, and so I've actually been able to clear my mind and be more focused than ever. Hold and on. So what's let's the, issue this so challenge to our salesforce. It's amazing. Right what's the rule? So give me the give me the rules. So, of this. so like obviously, okay, look, social media. I basically looked at what am I addicted to? Social media and news outlets. Um, <clears throat> and so I said, okay, I have until after 8 p.m. Um, you know, I have I can then uh, indulge. So obviously I'm like, look, okay, I can't. So you wake up, no, no social media, nothing. no news. No news, nothing. On your phone until after 8 p.m. After 8 p.m. Yep. Okay. And then initially I did social media. Now I give myself only one day for social media and that's Friday night. So I, I can do Friday night, social media, Facebook. That's do you it. find though when you, when you go to it, it's almost like, so I do this diet thing for the mornings, Yeah. but it makes me conscious of what I eat for the rest of my day. Yeah. It's almost like by the time Friday night comes around after you don't you, even care. Yeah. Do you really want to spend so, five so hours? So that's why initially I was like, I would wait and then I'd be like, it'd be seven fifty nine, And I'd be sitting there like this on my phone waiting <laughs> for it to turn. Ah! And then I jump on Facebook and I'm like, what is it? This is so like, I waited all day for this. Yeah. So then that's why I limit it to just Friday after, you know, for whatever. And I, now I fly through, I'm like, I cannot believe that I was so addicted to this stuff. Mm. And it consumed so much of my mental process because it's a stop and go all the time. Like, okay, I'm like, I'm out knocking. It's hot. It's 105. I'm just going to go sit in my car. And then also I'm like, okay, well now I'm sitting in my car. I'll look at my phone. And then like two hours go by and I'm on, I'm watching YouTube or something stupid. Yeah. And so it, it, it basically allowed my mind to kind of recover and heal and that also helped because I had a ton when I moved to Victorville and maybe we'll go into that, but I, I was like dealing with a ton of anxiety, which then kind of to like a ton of depression because basically I was so swamped and so consumed by how much my weaknesses were exposed to me, but I have a really high level. I think a lot of the guys that are high successful have a very high level of expectation for themselves and a high yeah. standard. So I was getting crushed between this super high level and standard of myself and how many weaknesses I had. And I, I mean, there was, it was like, it's was progressively worse. Not to mention I'm living in Victorville. And so my wife was like crying every night herself to sleep. And so 
um, it was getting so bad. And so Hold that, on. Explain Victorville, because Victorville, I think everyone, no one on the yeah. East Coast is going to understand <laughs> so, uh, yeah. like, what this um, place is. So I started, yeah, so, um, so I, I started in Boston with, with McClellan, and um, I'm like, look, I want to I wanna eventually get to Southern California. I grew up in Boston, so I have, you know, that's my, that's my life. Um, and, but I was like, you know what? I just, I knew what the winners were like. No offense to anybody in Boston who's selling there, but I'm well, like, no, I just, you, I'm like, okay. And your wife, I mean, we, we had this convo because I tried to keep Adam in Boston, yeah. obviously. And it was, you know, this is where it's like for me growing up in Utah, moving to the East Coast, there's some, that it's a nuance. Like it's yeah. a new thing, right? Adam grew up in this place yeah. and he's it, like, yeah. I've always dreamed about living on the West Coast. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So I was always really supportive of, of that. Yeah, uh, I always Utah. wanted, so when, uh, she's from Utah. So when Rhea and I got married, we, we wrote down the top five places we want to end up. And uh, number one for each of us was uh, Poway. San Diego, or San Diego, and and so ironically, they opened up the warehouse in Poway. So I moved to Boston, really only for like a, a two months or less than that, and then they opened up that office. So I I moved my family, we or we, Bree and I moved to Boston. Uh, this is like July. You guys just gotten married at that. Yeah, point, we just right? gotten married, and she had one semester left on her grad program. And I'm like, hey, we got to go now because chances tell me if we don't go now, then we're gonna miss the boat, which is super hilarious now. So we move, we moved to Boston <laughs> because he's like, there's Almost 500 sales it. reps, there's 500 alarm reps, they're gonna pour into the industry. Hey, there after. was some, there's a lot of truth to that though. There was at the time, at the time. And so we moved to Boston. I pay a ton of money to get out there. We ship all our cars out. Two months later, they told me, oh, uh, we'll open up San Diego in like a year or two years. So just plan on being when you here. got to Boston. when we got to Boston. And so then all of a sudden, um, Chance calls me, hey, no, we're opening up in like a month and a half. And so then I'm like, well, why am I still s selling accounts here? <laughs> like They're never getting installed. So, so we ship all of our cars, everything moved back down to uh, San Diego, opened the San Diego market. And that's where, you know, Richard Howell, Troy Van Bell, Dan Dunn, like Regan George, like we, I mean, that, that team was like, uh, like the, the foundation. Team. It was a powerhouse, Vern Marshall, all those guys. And so, and then I was there for one quarter and then they opened up another office. They opened up Thousand Oaks and, um, and uh, Victorville. And so everyone told me, they were like, look, we're not opening up another office for like two more years. And LTIP was coming up and like, you got to take this office. Otherwise you're going to lose up LTIP and we're not opening up any more offices. And so Victorville is basically, if anyone knows where Barstow is, it's just in the desert. Um, it was a huge build out during the big boom. Um, but the problem is that after the boom, it was... It was like one of those cities that was on the news where it was an entire miles of of build out that was empty and vacant, just nothing. It was a total emptiness. It goes down, and so almost like those places where they would like test nuclear bombs back. Yeah, in the it was day crazy. And like see what it did. And so China came in, and like this is a real thing. China came in and just bought up all the real estate, and then just sectioned eight it. So it's all uh, government subsidized housing. And so our, so that's kind of what we're coming into. It's, it's, and everyone from LA, we're getting vouchers like in Compton to move up out of Compton, uh -oh. like get them out of Compton and get them out of, to Victorville and move up there. So section eight, we'll put you up there. And so when we moved up, it was like, I come in and the situation was this, we, we couldn't do tile. So 80% of my market was tile. Um, we couldn't do electrical upgrades. We could only do shingle. You know, the utility rate was 13 cents and we were charging 15 um, and then ultimately, you know, uh, we had a 700, you had to have a 700 credit score to pass. And so even the, the houses that actually had high bills, we couldn't even do. Um, and Their so rate was what? 6% pass rate? Yeah. So our, our six. office was, so 6% of six. our, 
Credit yeah. pass, yeah. That's so, 100 check credits. Six of them are even eligible to continue. Why did we Tongi? open yeah. a market there? Tongi was running the show, you know. <laughs> Lots of sun, dude. The sun hours yeah. are super So high. the sun hours are good, but at the time, so this is the issue, is that worked against us because, For the sales because we were paid based on how many panels would go up. So we need literally half as many yeah. panels as Boston. So I moved from Boston and I called Chance up. I'm like, Chance, I just got my cab back. My commission's half. My One, my, my system size is only like a 3.8, you know? Um, and he's like, well, man, you can move back to Boston if you want. I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'll stick this out. And so that's what we're coming into. So Victorville's like the ninth most dangerous city in California. I went and bought a German Shepherd. My wife cried the entire time because we, we were in our dream place in Poway, moved to Victorville. Um, and it was like... <laughs> I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. Like, very common, and this is not an exaggeration. Very commonly, Brie and I would be laying there, and we would hear gunshots go off, and she'd just be like, "Hey, those gunshots again?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, just roll over and just go back to sleep." Like, it wouldn't even, it would wouldn't even affect us at that point. And so I'm in this situation that's just kind of, for me, toxic. Oh, and not to mention, like, try and recruit somebody there. Somebody yeah. comes into corporate. Okay, you can go to San Diego, Boston, San Fran, or um, what's it, what's a place it called again? Is it Do they call it Apple Valley or what do they call it? Victorville? What are they calling it? Yeah, okay, Apple Valley. Yeah, sure. It's like, where do you want to go there? Like, yeah. no. Uh, it's like Barstow. It's the same thing. So, so it, recruiting a team there was almost near impossible. And so it was kind of like... The, this really challenging part of my life. Like I had so, I mean, really anxiety. Like I would wake up and I'd never really had anxiety on that level, but I felt like like something was like, uh, like pushing on my chest and it was debilitating. And I would have like really easy tasks to do. I'd have an account where I'm like, I just have to go get the NEM and I, have, I could install this tomorrow. And I'd be like, no, I can't do it. I cannot do it. You just couldn't get yourself. I couldn't. You paralyzed. Dude, I was paralyzed. Like, I can't, like the simplest things. I'd be like, I would rather just go and knock another door mindlessly than have to go like track the customer down, go remove, do a, or remove a hold. Like it was a really paralyzing thing. And, and then it caused this depression because I'm like, because then it was cyclical, right? Then I'm sinking down further. And so then that's where I kind of had to identify, like, I got to get myself out of this. You know, and I got to identify each of these things. And so that's where number one was I got to clear the mind. I have to have my mind, uh, you know, free and clear. So that's where I set that thing with no phone. I went, I've gone four years now with that. And then the next thing really was um, kind Take of. Take a piece of my market. Step two. Take ties. I just got market. called on a Tuesday and Jen's like, you want to give this phone? Uh, I'm like, not really. I know it. Um, you know, and so Which from, wasn't his greatest uh, heist per se. No, we'll get into that here in a little yeah. bit. But uh, yeah, it's my favorite Adam Cox story ever. Oh, uh, so you know, I mean, that that was kind of the idea. Is okay, like how do I how do I um, get kind of out of this, right? So that's where I, I got a little more to meditation, being more mindful, just clearing my mind, and so that's kind of um, that. It's been a long journey, but if it wasn't for this job, and it wasn't for the difficulty of what I had to go through in really any aspect of my life, like I'm so grateful for those times. Like I look back at Victorville, like Brie will not look back at Victorville. I look back at them, like that's where I was made. Like that's where that's where I cut my teeth. I am like, I was born yeah. in a way um, from that desert. It's a whole extension of yourself. And it's a whole that. extension of myself. Like, look, I made it through here. I was doing 35 installs a quarter in that scenario when I couldn't even get, like I didn't want to get out of bed and I still made it work and I still pushed through it and I still was able to solve some of these bigger issues. And then that's kind of where we, 
we, we brought in the, the concept of Thrive, right, which is our brand, and we kind of own it. And you guys did really good in Boston and in the East Coast where you guys embraced, like, that, that winter. Like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to level up in the winter. We're going to do better than anyone else. And same kind of us. Like, it's, listen, our, our, our uh, brand is the Joshua Tree. It's the only damn thing that grows out there, the only thing. And it's, it, it's basically the idea, look, look, you can do more with less. Where everybody's dying, you're, you're thriving, um, and so we kind of have a whole program around that, but that's kind of where I, I began to realize uh, this is my identity and th- you can't really know who you are. There's no way you can actually know your true identity until you have to face something really difficult. Yeah. And another big thing that helped out a ton was seal fit, which is, sounds kind of silly. Doesn't sound silly at all, dude. I feel the same In way. terms of like levels of things that I've ever done difficult. So seal fit for guys that don't know, it was basically the Navy SEAL training force um, was like, they went private sector. So they're like, look, we'll just, uh, if anyone wants to come in and feel like what it's like to train with Navy SEALs for a day, we'll, we'll, we'll let them pay us yeah, to do it. I was talking to Jason Crown about this very thing today. Yeah. And I told him that it was the hardest physical thing I've ever done Yeah. by 20 times. There's not anything yeah. remotely, not even close, remotely close to how freaking hard that first round of SEAL fit was. Yeah. I want to hear about it. We're actually having Lance, the seal fit coach oh, is going to be on, yeah. on the podcast. That's he te- he terrifies me. So, <laughs> so, I mean, really, this is where I got my identity was I was that first, like you wake up, you're there at dark, you have your white shirt on and like your khaki so pants. your name on it. With just, you, you wrote your name on it. And they're waiting. spraying you with the hose and you're already like in 15 minutes. I'm like, there's no freaking way that I'm going to make this 14 more hours. Like, so you go through the whole Hold day. On. So you go to the beach. Or where are you when they like? We did like a, a CrossFit garage. Yeah, yeah. We started at a lake. It's basically like when you see like what time of day is this? It's morning. You get there at the crack of dawn, and then you're there the, until. Oh, night. this is the second round. This, this is the second we did round. The yeah. Lake. We oh, did so you lake. get there. You're you're in a group, and they just start spraying you with a hose. Yeah. So like, imagine like if you've ever watched on Discovery Channel, or whatever, you see like the Navy SEALs training and all that, where they're like holding logs up yeah. and running, doing drills in the water, out of the water, covering yourself in sand. Like, basically, how how it looks is that running up hills, down hills. You have a rucksack, so you have like a thirty pound backpack. You go on a hike, and if anybody does anything wrong remotely, then they'll just make you keep doing it over and over and over again. It's People like, are peeing their pants out there. Yeah. People are like tearing their shoulders. People are throwing growing up yeah like it's it's like it's, it's ugly it's it's like you you look at people around and you're like man i never thought i'd see you cry you know I really never saw, yeah like it's cra- like literally it'll, they, they, the whole idea is just to break you down but the idea the reason why I, I got identity from that was i was sucking so bad the first like six hours of i was the guy in the very back and i can't remember who it was i think it was even mike brander down college and it was like literally i was the guy like the last guy in the back and they were pushing me up the hill you know, because I was just like the the so out of shape at the time. I was probably like 20 more pounds than I was now. But throughout the course of the day, I kind of started gaining a little bit of ground. And the very last part, they they were like, we all thought we were done. And like, no, just kidding. You have to go do a whole Murph. Um, oh, gosh. At I the very that. end of the, the day. The day finished, and we were thinking we were going to get yeah. to eat. And so, yeah, we thought we were like, done. like, hey, come out on the blacktop. We're going to do Murph. Yeah, and Which Murph, I can't do on my best day right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. You know. And so, like, yeah, people couldn't even do that initially by themselves. So anyways... Um, it was me and Mike Brand, and I think it was Dallin. Call was in my group, but we ended up, we crushed everyone. We finished like ten minutes before everyone, and we were back there. And I was, and I felt like I had a ton of energy, and I was like, and I, th- I finally realized like that's my identity. Like I'm the guy who, I'm not the guy who's gonna finish 
you know, if you look back at my numbers, so I'm like number eight in the company, I have only finished top 20 maybe two times in seven years ever. Like if you look back at through my quarter, like by quarter, by quarter, by quarter, quarter, even by year, I've never finished either by quarter by year. I've never finished top 20, maybe two times ever. Um, and so that's not my identity. Like I'm not the guy to be flashy. I'm not the guy to put up huge numbers, but, but I am the guy to grind it and just, um, basically kind of just never give up. Like, I'm just going to push through my problems. I'm going to figure them out. I'm going to figure them out. I'm going to kind of develop. And then at the end, I'm going to be at the finish line when everybody's kind of passed on. So that was where I, I, I realized like, you know what, I, there's no way I, w- I would have ever known that if I didn't have some extraordinary difficulty challenger to go through. And so, you know, Victorville kind of defined me. Um, I mean, it's 110 degrees. It's hot. It's miserable. I'm failing every credit. Everybody's a renter. You know, I mean, I have all these problems. Um, we're getting paid $200 a kilowatt, um, you know. And so those are kind of the things that kind of forged me in terms of my mentality. Well, I think to your credit, too, one of the things that you're great at, which I learned very early working with you, is you kind of, you mentioned this earlier, you kind of pick one problem and attack it methodically. Like, even the social media thing, like, I've done it, man, where I've been on doors and like while I'm waiting for a homeowner to come yeah. to the door, I'll check my phone. I'm like, what do I do? Like, this is a potential $10,000 commission, $5,000 commission, and yeah. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Get ready for the fight, you yeah. know? But how you intentionally looked at it and solved it. But one of the interesting things is even we've been working together now for what, like six years yeah. now? Yep. And up until we just talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I was up in Apple Valley, but. Um, you know, the thought earlier was, hey, there's no reason our team couldn't be at 300. So Adam scheduled every other week, we had a call and we would talk about ways to get to 300. And so I would, it forced me to level up. So I would prepare, hey, here's one or two things that I think the team needs to work on. And here's a couple ways to execute it. But um, just like as common with a lot of our guests is you're a very good implementer. You're very good. Uh, what did Mark say? It's okay to be a copycat as long as you copy the right cat. Right. Yeah, so, like that. You're very good at that. Like, you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, yeah. this was the suggestion for this week and it's a training schedule. So immediately yeah. you would implement Which that was very schedule. hard for me. That was one of my biggest weaknesses is, is like following through on what I'm saying. And so I actually, I was like, okay, I'm going to institute this new rule that works so well, the, the $500 burning money. I burnt thousands of dollars like I doing a running a task list. I'm like, okay, so if I let a task go past seven days, I'm going to light 500 bucks on fire. And like, sure enough, I'd be like freaking out. I'd be like, I'm like, honey, I got to get this thing done. And then sure enough, I, I wouldn't do it. So I'd have to walk out to my backyard and I would like literally write like hundred dollar oh bills God. on fire. <laughs> You're like, maybe this doesn't work and so for then, everything. This is my thinking. I'm like, okay, well, obviously $500 wasn't pay- painful enough. So every time I don't do it, I have to up it a hundred bucks. So like next time was 600 bucks. So I'm like, Damn it! I'm like lighting 600 bucks <laughs> on fire. What's your wife thinking as you're lighting like oh, your dude, money? I, I would do it in private yeah. because I'm like, there's no way she would lose her mind if I. So, so I like I was up <laughs> to like money, a couple thousand. How much thousand, money? Yeah, how much? A money couple thousand bucks I lost. Till finally, I'm like, okay, it's not working. I got to figure something out. And so for me, that's like it's always trial and error. I'm like, okay, what? So the whole management system. Just <laughs> what are your neighbors thinking? Like, dude, I don't know. Because he can stop getting paid 200 bucks a kill. <laughs> yeah, now you can light your money on fire. But it had to be painful, right? Yeah. That was the point. And so, um, like, that's kind of me. I'm like, I will, I will figure out. Uh, and that's my point. Is it, coming into this, like, it's okay to have. If you have bad anxiety, if you have bad depression, or if you're really bad at organization, which that's 95% of our, our workforce. Like, if you come into your sales guy, like, you're probably you're you're not an accountant for a reason, right? You're a sales guy for a reason. It's because you're you're not good at so many other things. <coughs> and that's kind of my message is like, that's okay. 
and I kind of do a training on this, like if you could even get 30% better at your biggest weakness, if you were to take your biggest weakness and identify what it is, and then every morning take 15 minutes and work on it and even get 30% better, we kind of quantified it. It's like an extra $200,000 in your earnings that year, if you can just attack it in that way, um, kind of systematically. And so that's kind of my, my dream and my, my thinking is, okay, I'd love to create this idea this program where you can systematically accept your weaknesses and then kind of uh, attack them one by one. And so, So yeah. what are some of the things, because I know you have systems, I know you have like a journal that you do every day, mm -hmm. you have the $500 thing. Yeah. What other little systems have you implemented that, that work? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is to tie it into the power hour where it's just take whatever your weakness is and just do 15 minutes. So for so me- So what, what time is your power? What is your power? In the morning. Like? So I, I have, I just, I'm an early morning seminary teacher now. So I'm up at five. Oh, so, you are? Yeah. So many of our yeah, guys yeah, do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of it disrupted a little bit. But like, for example, I was like, I got to work on my marriage. I got to be a better husband and better because I was like losing my mind with my kids. And I'm like, there's no reason I should be. So, so do you come to these conclusions yourself or does Bree? I do. Yeah. That's one thing I, that's one thing that's caused me a lot of anxiety and depression is because I'm so self-aware. That's There's a lot of people who are just not aware of their problems. And I'll ask my reps. I'm like, hey, what do you think you're bad at? It's shocking to hear the <laughs> results. I'm like, no, you are not even... A, a completely aware of what you're bad at. Yeah. And I'm, I'm ultra self-aware of what I'm bad at. And so I've basically identified, okay, like here's the things that I really, what gives me stress? What takes away my happiness? And then I identify that. And then I'm like, okay, every 15, every morning for 15 minutes, I'll read like the child whisperer for 15 minutes. And then I'll take a, a gratitude journal and write it in with my wife and just Every day I write down what I like, what I love about her. And then I reread everything I already wrote. It has to be something new. And so that's kind of like, and then I'll, once I feel like that's been successful, I'll, I'll go and cross it off. So like, for example, mental health, like I actually feel like I overcame depression and anxiety. Like I don't have that. I'm very calm. Like I can meditate now. I feel wonderful. And so I've kind of. I remember in Tahiti, uh, <laughs> everybody's out like, this is great. And I'll screw it around in the water. And Adam is just on the dock, just meditating on, in a different dimension than the rest of us. That yeah. Cool. I actually went, I took a, a meditation seminar, like deep, I'm certified by Deepak Chopra. Really? Kind of, yeah. Um, it was a three day seminar. So it's like, so once again, it goes back to this. I am so grateful for my weaknesses and more, more than anything, I'm grateful for this job for exposing it in a way that I could never have been exposed to if I took some other, if I was back at my medical sales job, like I would have clocked in, I would have clocked out. I would have those issues with me for the rest of my life. I would never have worked them out. But this job will just basically blast you. You can't hide because your numbers, every quarter, once again, you can kind of pretend for so long, but not. I've been here eight years, man. Like, mm -hmm. you can't hide. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, for me, my takeaway with it, you know? So we, um, I've shared this with some of the guys on the East Coast, but my wife and I have taken our kids to a child psychologist, child therapist. Yeah. Uh, we try to do like once a month or every couple months we'll go. And... Um, if you haven't ever done, well, your kids probably aren't old enough yet, um, but our, ours are 12, 9, and 6. And we've just kind of have developed this habit of doing it. And the first time we went, it was like earth shattering, like how much information we were getting out of our kids that we just didn't, we weren't yeah. getting out of mm -hmm. it, right? But what the therapist does, they hand them each a piece of paper that has a bunch of words on it that describe feelings yes. happy sad mad glad angry you know whatever and the kids each pick three words and then we rotate around they talk about at what point this past week did they feel the word that they felt uh -huh. right so my oldest she picked the word anxiety 
And um, as the therapist was kind of working through how anxiety is caused, I was sitting there thinking about this job and like how much it relates, right? So as you're talking about how you work through it, this therapist said, um, there's four things that cause anxiety. It's uh, the first one is stress, which is typically you've just taken on too much stuff. Like you got a ton of stuff going on, right? The other one is um, a threat. So it's like a direct threat of safety can cause anxiety. Um, like you're nervous actually about your your safety, right? And then the um, the next one was just being worried. Yeah. And being worried is like all things that are just in your head. Like it's just stuff that you're making up. It's not actually real. It hasn't happened. It hasn't yeah, happened. Hasn't, yeah. yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. You're just worried. Next quarter. Next quarter. I'm, yeah, worried. I'm already worried about next quarter. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other yeah. one, the last one was nervousness um, causing yeah. anxiety. And um, she talked about the way to overcome uh, nervousness specifically was through your preparation and your work ethic and all those types of things. But as you were kind of sitting there talking through, you know, the creating systems to yeah. read a book for 15 minutes, yeah. to write down the things that are causing you stress, to be self-aware and kind of figure out. I yeah. was just like thinking through what she was talking about and you're already doing yeah. like most of those things to eliminate one of those four things that's causing the anxiety, right? So. And it was like, I had a kind of, I wish I had had talked to a therapist before that, you know, it'd have been nice. Cause I had to like trial by error, figure all this mm-hmm. out until something You burned worked. a lot of money doing it. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Burned therapist a lot of money. is way cheaper. <laughs> I don't know. Actually. You're like, I ain't paying no shrink, light it, drop yeah. it. <laughs> but it's kind of like, goes back to like, so I grew up in Boston and uh, I grew up in Walpole, which, you know, um, you it's know, right down bit, by the Patriots Stadium. Yeah, it is. So I grew up like, right, I could hear the stadium, but Walpole, it's like the, According to Forbes, it's like the fifth most Irish town in the U.S. Wow. Um, and most people who live in Walpole uh, emigrated from Dorchester or Dorchester. Dorchester. And I know so, Dorchester. Um, you know, and I so put some like, alarms in there. I was the only, the only uh, member, like the Latter Day Saint member there uh, in that whole town. And so, like in Boston, the one thing, and I, and I was like, I grew up there. I love them, but the one thing they're really good at is, is finding your weakness. Oh yeah, and just. <laughs> It's like blood in the water. That becomes your nickname. That becomes you. That's your identity. And so so that was where I kind of learned as a kid, like my freshman and sophomore year were like two worst years of my life because it was like, once they, once there was some blood in the water, it was like, I didn't have a name. I was like, hey, you're just the Mormon dude, right? I didn't have a lot of friends. It was just like fights all the time, like classrooms, like we'd just be throwing desks and it was just like a lot of turmoil. Wow. Um, It was like, and Bostonians, like you got to love them, but it's it's a love hate like they will they will own you and they will bury you it's not unlike a prison system you know where it's like you just find the weakness and you go for it and then i kind of realized but going into my junior year it's like i can play the victim and i can i can basically take my weakness and own it as a victim or i'm going to own this um and i'm going to overcome this weakness and so going into my junior year it was like this life altering thing where i was the first guy to make fun of myself i'm like i am who i am right and so i i owned yeah, it you just take the power i away took from it them. away from him i owned that weakness and ultimately it was shocking how much it flipped right to the point where where it was basically that experience kind of changed my whole life and trajectory because i there was another kid 
who went to another school and he kind of showed me, he kind of owned it and he showed me kind of how he owned it. And so um, my junior and senior were coincidentally the two best years of my life, you know, and I shared with you some, we had some of the funnest times of my life and uh, in my high school, we did some some crazy stuff there and, and a whole new network of friends. And by the time I left my senior year, I, I think I was probably one of the more respected people. Whereas, and that's kind of how Boston works. It's a sink or swim, uh, 100%, at least in high school. I, I think maybe when you get older, it becomes more normalized society, but it's like, it, it's, it's a very brutal uh, area. And I think that's a, not exactly like our, our job, but in a way it's, our job can be very uh, merciless. Yeah. Uh, and it can be very, un, you know, um, unforgiving. And so I think that's kind of thing is like, you can you can own your weaknesses and be a victim of them, or you can kind of turn them into strengths. And that's kind of my theme. Yeah. We got we to gotta hear the story now, because he's talking about how high much, school. How much time we got? We <laughs> Let me ask we, you this question before, yeah. if you need the okay. time. If, you, if, if it's that kind of a story, we'll wrap up with it. Um, one of the things that Jordan says, um, Jordan Williams says, is that in leadership, if there's a if there's a common thought or something that comes up or a reason for your success, anybody, for example, oh yeah, Adam's great, but he can't recruit. Yeah. He's like, you just got to take that away from him and be like, okay. Or yeah. yeah, you sell a lot, but they're all from leads or they're all referrals. Uh-huh. You don't actually knock doors. Yeah. He says, just don't let people have an edge on you. So if that's yeah. the thing where it's like, oh yeah, he's great, but he doesn't work hard. Yeah. Just take that thing away from him. And there's something empowering about that where I think the thing that's impressive about your story is you've learned to face it yeah. head on and be like, okay, I'm not just going to like clash into this thing. I'm going to receive it and roll with it. Learn yeah. how to like wrestle with this thing. And I think there's a lot of reps that, man, this job is so abnormal. Like we deal with more rejection in a week than most people deal with in their life. And to the point of like your school, the neighborhoods are a great equalizer. They don't care if it's me or a guy that just started or yeah. you or somebody else. They, If you do a good job, you get rewarded. And if you do a bad job, you get punished, right? All right, high school story. Yeah, Adam told us this story when we were in Fiji last year, right? <laughs> and uh, we were on the pool. And I mean, I have had people say like, oh, we love it when, you know, Adam tells his stories, this, that, whatever. <laughs> then Cox rolls in with the Trump story of all Trump stories. Like, <laughs> I mean, I literally was like, I'm just going to head over to the other side of the pool and I'll create my own little audience over there because this is... This is, yeah. uh, he just mic dropped, like, uh, you know, the trip. So, um, and yeah. Adam is probably my, now my favorite storyteller. So, yeah, let's hear it. Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Well, I will say this. One of my great passions in life, I actually set this as a goal. My great passion in life is pranking people. And it's like, a, I come from like a, like a you long stay line away of pranking. He's, a, he's got a lineage of. Yeah, like my grandfather is like a, like a well-known prankster. You know what I mean? I got an and April so, Fool's birthday, dude. I don't want any yeah, part of this conversation, dude. But, but uh, anyway. Your so grandfather lo- was a great prankster? He was a great prankster. <laughs> and he was like, he had a ton of money, so he would like go to no end to do is it. Is he like know? an East Coast guy too? No, no, he's a cowboy. Um, but so anyways, in high school, in my high school, and this is kind of like a lot of how we think, right? Is a lot of our like high producing guys is like, look, if I'm going to do something, like I'm going to make it so it's just like the last prank that anyone ever talks about. And our high school always had a had a had like a um, a tradition of a senior year prank. I'm like, I'm going to do the prank that will end all pranks because my <laughs> brothers before me, they're ten years older than me, they had done some big pranks in my high school. And so I'm like, dude, I'm going to kill their pranks. I'm kill everybody's pranks. I'm going to do the best. So I actually started planning my prank from like when I was like a junior in high school. I had like floor plans of our high school. <laughs> I had, I had, um, I had like, I knew exactly where every single security camera was. I had police scanners. I you had could have gotten out. some real trouble had someone found your plans before yeah. the prank, right? Yeah, it was, like, we had some close calls. Like, we 
had some close calls. I had mapped out, so I knew um, two miles into our school where every road came in, and I was able to basically have people out and signal in. So if uh, I would know if like a cop was like two miles away, and we had a guy on the, on the roof of the police scanner. It was like an Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> so then we had like some the guys. Italian we had like some dude. Yeah, we had some dude who owned his own construction company when he was like eighteen in our high school. <laughs> so I recruited him in, and so, anyways, long story short. Because I, I think we're out of time, but no, yeah. we got time. Okay. This is worth so, it. He's so, like, anyway, no, trust story me. for another no, day. Yeah, like, yeah, trust happened? me, no, no, no. Trust me, this one's worth so, it. And if you're listening and you're thinking about checking out, bear with us for the next as long as this takes. So, um, so I'm in high school. I'm broke. So we had to unfortunately steal everything we had. So, which in Boston, there's like, you know, the last person you ever want to steal from is a construction yard. Like they will, they'll straight up you know, bury you in the ocean out there. But we ended up, we ended up having, we, we ended up taking, we stole a bunch of like cinder blocks, like an enormous amount. And I had a Toyota Camry, so we had to haul them away slowly. It's just riding. Five at a time. It was like, like five, yeah, five, five at a time. time. And um, so my, my dad, my dad was a stake president at the time, so I had copied his key, so we had the master key. So we went and took all the stuff out of the closet. Of the uh, church. Of the, of the, the <laughs> local so church. The local church. And we were using the local church to store all of our stolen <laughs> Cinder blocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then uh, we had like so we had I don't even know how many pounds of of uh, we had like rebar cement mix we had um, all this stuff and then we went and hi- um, hot wired a golf cart and uh, picked up all the golf balls that for some reason they had left them out it's all right on Route One just north of the stadium right mm-hmm. there it's a big golf range yeah the big range yeah we still like we a couple thousand golf balls at least um, and we had put them in bags my dad actually did find those. Um, yeah, no, that's part of the story. Yeah, so like my dad found like... them. My dad found them, threw them in our clock because I was storing those in our backyard because we ran out of space at the local church, you know. <laughs> so I had them in the backyard next to our shed. My dad finds them, puts them in the shed, and locks them. And so I realized that he had found them and put them in there. So we had to we had to take the doors off the hinges, pull everything <laughs> out, put them back on, and then go put them and hide them back over at the local church. <laughs> So, so that your dad's over. My dad's over. That your dad's and you're just like over. not yeah. talking at dinner. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, so we're sitting there. My Hold dad, on. Like, so yeah. you know your dad's found the golf so balls. So my dad, at yeah, one my point. dad knows that he's found them. But and then, then and, but he didn't acknowledge it to you. He didn't tell me he found them. And then I didn't tell him I took them back. So we're sitting at dinner, and my mom. It's I'm the youngest of five, and I'm like nobody's in the house anymore. So it's like my mom, who is like a sweetheart, has no idea what's going on. My dad's sitting there, and he's like, "Hey, son." Um, it's all quiet. We're just eating. My dad, my dad's just like, like I'm imagining, just like yeah. the the <laughs> small pitter patter of yeah. clinking knives yeah. and forks, and just you know, your your dad's like, "Honey, this is great stroganoff," you know, and yeah. then and then Adam's like, mm, yeah. "Yes, yeah. mom." Like yeah. it's just this perfect little, you know. So to my dad's credit, but there's yeah, a there's hidden this, tension like, in the room. So a couple days go by of just this tension, and so my dad finds like, "Hey, son, you know it's a felony if you steal over." $3,000 worth of merchandise. And I'm like, yeah, dad, don't worry. It's all going back. And then my mom's like, oh, I'm sorry, what, what's that guy? What's that, honey? What are you talking about? Like, and then my dad's like, nothing, honey. It's all good. It's totally covered for me. Like, didn't even, didn't even bring it up. So anyways. And that we, was the day that you knew you had an ally in your yeah, father. Yeah, I was like, dad, my dad's the man. Yeah. So 
It was awesome. Little did he know. I, I think had, he's inaccurate. Little did he know I, I was actually storing <laughs> Little by did he know I was like storing them all in the church. another so, another yeah. ten grand worth of stolen cinder blocks and yeah. rebar. Yeah. Oh, actually, I forgot to tell you this part. So we we ended up having to use to load everything up. We had one dude in the, on the football team who had one of those old beater vans. It was the only thing we could think of that we could load everything into. And we were pushing it out. We were all dressed in black. I had taken a ladder. One of those. What time of day is this? Uh, Huh? What time of day is this? Oh, this this is like three in the morning. So this is the night that we are going to take all the material and we're bringing it to my school. school. My high school. Yeah. So your dad didn't know you had the keys to the church? No, no, yeah, no. Because he made a copy of it. Yeah, boosted him. Yeah, boosted it. So I had like dropped a fire ladder, three story. Get down. I'm all dressed in black. We're pushing my buddy's van out into the middle of the road. and a cop came up right in the middle of the road, and he's like a statey, didn't care. He's like, "What are you guys doing? Get this, get this effing out of thing, effing out of here." You know what I mean? We're like, "Oh yeah, okay, sorry." So we load the whole van up. He didn't ask you, "Why are y'all dressed in black?" <laughs> That's the least of his problem. He didn't care. And so, um, so anyways, we we he like structured that. Yeah, I should have. So we so we get so so I had like three teams going. So I had a team that was like cinder blocking like laying mortar down. And so between our two schools, there's one big hallway. And so we basically mortared and rebarred the entire the whole, it was like a So this, huge, there's, I'm imagining two big buildings yeah. and there's one big hallway one that main connects hallway, connect the them, yeah. buildings. Yeah. And you guys decide you're building this a wall. Where, this is where we're going to, we're going to like, we're thinking, where can we do the most damage and we just figured we'll put it right. We'll cut the indoor school, school in half. Outdoor school. Indoor school. So we so basically they decided cut the to build a wall inside the school. How do you get into the school at three in the morning? Um, we had like we had figured out a way to. So we had to haul everything up to the to the top of the roof, um, and then we got down through an access point because it was like the only way to avoid mm-hmm. um, cameras. cameras, cameras, and all that. So then while we were building this, then we had a crew up on the roof, like listen to the police scanner and then crews out on the road to access. A spotter him. on every spotter access point. Yeah, and a wheel know. man out on and the then, road. And then, um, <laughs> and then me and another guy, we were taking all our golf balls and we were breaking into people's lockers above stairwells and hallways and stuff. And um, we put uh, like, um, you know, like a full a cardboard piece up against it that was wider so you could pour in golf balls over the top, mm-hmm. close it, and then slide it out. And so then we were just filling people's lockers full of these. And it was really heavy. So anyways, they ended up having to, like, shut school down. So that you <laughs> have, like, on. a couple thousand people. They show up to school. So they – hold on. So <laughs> how many lockers do you think you fill up with golf uh, balls? I mean, we had a few thousand golf balls, so it was a lot. You so know? 25, 30 yeah, lockers maybe. or whatever. Yeah. So they fill up 25, 30 lockers. They've built a cinder block wall <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a hallway with yeah. rebar, mind you. Yeah, we, we reinforced that sucker. <laughs> like, no one's kicking that wall down. It wasn't just stacked. No, no. We're like, look, if we're going to build a wall, we're going to build a great yeah. wall. It's going to yeah. reinforce it. So. <laughs> yeah. It's to <laughs> it's code. It's to code. It's to code. Yeah. Perfectly to code. <laughs> it was like trowel. Everything was like yeah. perfect. Like, it's you got to so do like, like wiping off the yeah, excess yeah. water. The inspector's coming today. Yeah. I was like, when it was done, because I wasn't paying attention to them, I looked back and I saw, I'm like, this is one of the greatest walls I've ever seen. I was like so proud. I'm like, you guys <laughs> did it go wall? to the ceiling? Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, it went all the way up. How tall? Um, I don't. I mean, maybe ten, uh, 10 feet. You and know? then how wide? Um, maybe uh, maybe 15, 15 feet. It was pretty. Yeah, 15 feet. So yeah. and it closed the entire. Yeah, corridor. It, that sucker was up, man. It was like, you, yeah. It <laughs> how was awesome. long did it take you to do it, dude? These guys pumped out. Like like they own their own construction company, so they was like they were like hauling guys, troweling. Oh, they've like, been they've been prepping for this. Yeah, it was like they probably had gone through like. You see those like do the, those guys that do the fireman drills where they run with the ladders yeah. and, like run up the yeah. things like that was your buddy. It's like kind of like, like an it's hour? like how to like build a correct team. Like you got to put everybody in the right place. Yeah, and everybody, everybody was like job. perfectly had their job. 
So, yeah, we... Um, so hold on. You show up to school. <laughs> well, first of all, you finish the thing. What time of day did you finish everything? Uh, it, we were in and out in like less than an hour. We were wow. like... Oh, we you were, guys were flying. We were How many flying. guys were in on this? We had... I had not, a crew of nine guys. All right. Crew of nine guys. So you're in and out in an hour. You go back home. You go to bed. You wake yeah. up. You build a wall with nine guys yeah. in four days. You wake up. Yeah. You yeah. Go, to school. go to school. And thousands of people are just out in the... And they ship in, so we do this Metco thing where they would ship in like six buses from the inner city too to our school. So there's like all these people that are from all over the. So the administration's the not letting anyone in the yeah, school. Yeah, oh, it's shut down because they're like they're in there like jackhammering this wall down. <laughs> like and you golf can hear. Ball. Oh, you hold can on, hear the golf balls weren't out yet though. That's Plan because... B. That's Plan B. So we yeah, knew that's we phase knew they would, two of the plan. Yeah, look, we knew they were going to tear the wall down because right. right, I mean, at some point, so they're yeah. like jackhammering this thing, and they're like they're working on this, they're working on it all day or you know half the day so they finally after so long they finally like kind of figure out a way how to I'm let imagining and, them like there's rebar in this thing <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like what the, the yeah so uh you so did then, like a like a twenty thousand dollar construction job in oh it's amazing it's amazing and so we get in there and then i was like i was more excited about the golf balls yeah. because it's hard tile well that's and so mass destruction so, yeah it was like chaos and so it w- which i was like thriving on chaos yeah. so they open up all the, that angst in yeah, that teenage it was all body man like let's just so do it. i'm like waiting for it and you can hear like because the force they're so heavy they're so hard you to can open. hear you can hear them open up and it's like <laughs> and then <laughs> And then it was just like, and then, and then like 20 feet down, he was like, <laughs> like, and then all of a sudden it was like golf balls, thousands. People are falling. And pouring like, in and they're bouncing everywhere on hard tile. They're, they're like flying everywhere. And then kids are like picking them up and throwing them. And then it's like all hell breaks loose because everyone's throwing like golf balls and they're spraying everywhere. And then they're coming down stairwells and hallways. It was like thousands of golf balls everywhere. It was like complete chaos. And teachers were like, you could tell like some guys were up for like four hours trying to get this wall torn down. And all of a sudden it was like, that was the last thing they could handle. They were like, like, finally we got the wall down. got the wall down. And there was, so they lost their mind. So there's like thousands of golf balls. Like, uh, it was like, so I was like standing in the hallway, just watching, you know, like conducting the chaos. Just conducting it. And I was just, I was in like perfect joy. I was in the most perfect bliss of my life. It was like everything, all (laughs) my plans, everything came together. It was like a year and a half. Everything came together. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. And so. You felt like the Joker in like the modern Batman movies. So anyways, that was like, that was one what of was the things. aftermath? I mean, they did a huge a- investigation, which we were we were ahead of too. So we immediately spread this rumor of uh, we were like, hey, did you hear find out who who did this? And so we had our guys like spreading like all this rumor, and so that whole group of kids got pulled down. Um, into the office, and so it was enough to. He's like of, one of them did it a year of hard time. <laughs> no one. Wasn't there like, didn't you say there was like an article in the newspaper <laughs> yeah, or something? Yeah, it was a big deal, man. It was a big deal. It was. I mean, it was the best one that's ever been done. And there never, was, no, no repercussions. Never. We never. Um, we let. We just made sure no piece of evidence was. And how's, you know, how are your parents on this? Your parents find out. We know uh, about this? Yeah, yeah. They found out when my dad opened up the paper and and was reading through it, and he's like, he kind of pieced it all together. <coughs> he realized that oh, well, that's where all those golf balls went. You think you know? secretly he got and a chuckle he, out of it? Yeah, and he he didn't even say he didn't really say a word to me. He just like looked at me and like looked at the paper. And he's like, just kind of give me a nod, and that was it. You know, <laughs> it's kind of cool. He did it, son. This is like a this is like a movie. You may you may have to like condense this story for the. No, for the we're podcast, good, man. But Adam, this has been awesome, dude. Yeah. Hey, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for for joining us, and thank you for sharing the life lesson learned, man. I, I appreciate you being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had a long, sustained career. Uh, 
wildly heralded as, as one of the top guys in the industry. I think you've earned that. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome to see kind of what's made you tick. I think there's a lot of application from this. Mm -hmm. So thanks for thanks joining us, brother. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.